Hey, hey, hey. Episode two, y'all. Welcome to the Anxiety Vod Podcast. I am your host, Corey, and I'm so thankful you guys are deciding to join me again here on another episode. First time around, we went over how I came to do a podcast, how that all started, where the journey began. We did a little bit of a website tour, talked about the different aspects of the website. That'll continue to grow as we move forward over the episodes, as well as the goals for the show that will continue to evolve as we move forward. I talked to the theory of the scavenger hunt. A little bit about my story. Uh, we'll get into those over the questions here moving forward. First ever listener submitted a question, which came from my wife, Lauren. How to help someone if you yourself do not have anxiety. And then box breathing. Episode two, y'all. Here we go. All right, all right. So for episode two, what do we got kicking? I'm going to try to do three questions today. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about like the concept of why it's wad, you know, work out for your day. Uh, these things that I give you towards the end of the episode are for you to try out, take action on and practice on repeat. Um, last time it was the box breathing and hopefully you guys research that a little bit. Um, it's just four counts, breathing in, hold for four, breathing out, hold for four. So it's four, 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 four. And it just kind of helps you relax. Um, I've noticed while starting this podcast that my breathing is off when I'm talking. Uh, it's not something I've really thought about, but it, it came up when I started doing a little box breathing and then listening to my episodes uh, to edit them. I, I noticed that my breathing is off. So I'm going to try to slow down and talk a little slower and see if I can get my breathing on point. Um, just something that I've noticed, but hopefully you guys tried that out. So for today, um, we're going to talk kids and anxiety, uh, something that I deal with on a personal basis. So um, it's something that's close to my heart and hopefully I can give you guys some information on how to help your kids navigate anxiety. It's kind of a lonely um, a lonely space to navigate for kids. Uh, personally, being someone that has dealt with that um, as a kid and so uh, and now as a parent, it's coming full circle. So I'm able to help my child out uh, a little bit more than back when I was a kid because I didn't really know what it was. Like we didn't really talk about it. It's like concussions when we were playing <laughs> playing football. I mean, I... I I'd laugh. It's not really a funny thing about the concussions, but we didn't know about it. So like we didn't, we didn't do anything about it. It's kind of like the anxiety thing. It's just, well, you were labeled as a worrier. Well, there's obviously more to it. Question two is how do you start the conversation with someone you want to help with their anxiety? Like how do you approach someone? How do you open that door? And then question three, hopefully we'll have enough time here is how do you establish boundaries when helping people with anxiety? I'm also going to put a spin on that. And how do you set up boundaries being the person with anxiety? Um, I've had to do this over time and it's, I think it's an important side note to this question. And, and um, I'm going to talk both as an anxiety coach and um, someone that's been through it um, themselves and having to set up some boundaries. So question one, let's talk kids and anxiety. What is your advice on helping children deal with anxiety? Thank you very much. For submitting that question there, listener, it's very helpful to get these questions and it kind of sends me in a direction. Um, like I've said, I actually said last episode that I can kind of go off on tangents and go down the rabbit hole on this stuff. So it kind of helps me stay on track here. Um, so for kids, 
one thing that, that I'm finding out recently is, uh, you know, keeping your kids healthy, number one, um, both through exercise and nutrition can really make a difference. If they feel good physically, they're going to feel good mentally. And that's, that's something that I've found over the years that has gone hand in hand with me, um, keeping them active. And if they're sitting around after school, sitting around at night, they, they're, they're going to have free time to create these stories. And like I said, last episode, um, anxiety is a creative disorder. Like we create these stories, we create these things that may or may not happen. Well, in our mind, they may happen, but 99% of the time they're fabricated. They're created in our mind and they just kind of resonate and spin the merry-go-round of hell that just keeps us on and it keeps going faster and faster. Well, if you're exercising, that energy is used up. It's uh, you're less likely to have this bottled up energy and you're burning calories and you're keeping active and you're using that energy up in a positive way. As far as nutrition goes, um, I'm not an expert on this, but I have read a lot about um, your gut health, like your, your um, bacteria biome in your stomach. It, it does a tremendous amount. And I, I really suggest that you look into this um, first and foremost, mainly um, for anyone that has anxiety is looking at your gut health. Um, what you're putting into your body is going to be a huge factor in the physical symptoms that you feel with anxiety. And if you're someone with anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, we tune into our physical symptoms. Like when you, if you don't have anxiety, when someone scares you, you can feel your heartbeat really fast, or you feel that like a metallic taste in your mouth, but it goes away. So someone with anxiety has that all the time. Um, it's fairly irrational, at least mine was, and it, you can't get rid of it. It's like a good way to describe it is like when like old school TVs and younger listeners might not even know this, but when cable would go out, you'd have this white screen, right? And it's like, and so for someone with anxiety, that white screen pops on when we get fearful or we get anxious and the volume keeps cranking up and people that don't have anxiety can use a remote to turn it down. Like it just goes away. People that don't have anxiety, we can never find the remote. It just gets louder and louder and louder and resonates throughout everything in our life. And so that volume is always there. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, the physical symptoms crank up that white noise. It just gets louder and louder, louder. So number two, uh, I suggest meditation. We just started doing this with our kids. Um, there's tons of apps out there. There's tons of websites that you can do this. You can even go on YouTube and find a five to 10 minute, uh, meditation for kids. And so it's really easy. It's really accessible for free. And, and some of the apps that I've used over the years is Calm, C-A-L-M. It's a Calm app. It, some of them are paying, but some of them are free. Uh, another one is Headspace. That's a paying uh, website. Brain.fm is a yearly subscription, and that's a binary beats one that I use fairly often. I, you can use it for both for focusing, um, for re relaxation, for sleep, and there's guided meditation. So that's a really good one. It's, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of scientific evidence about the binary beats stuff. It's beyond my scope of knowledge, but it's been working for me. And that's the one I probably use the most. Then there's also the insight timer. I N S I G H T timer. It's got a lot of British people in her, <laughs> unless I have my settings wrong. I just, there's a lot of British people, which they're cool to listen to when you meditate. Um, so yeah, it's been working out pretty good for our kids and it works out really well in the morning. Uh, just because they're engaged, they're, they're still tired. They're still waking up. They're going to listen. 
Um, at night, if your kid has a hard time going to sleep, it might be a good time to introduce that. Speaking of nighttime, uh, starting a nighttime routine has been super helpful for my son. He, uh, he's a very routine, repetitive person. And so um, we're actually going to introduce some mantras tonight that he's going to read before bed. And so su- suggesting a nighttime routine uh, is going to be a new thing, but I think it's going to be really well received. And so the other thing that we've done with him is like spa music or like Zen garden or just very, very uh, calming music right before bed. Uh, just to kind of get that mood going. If, if your kids like music, that's going to be one that's going to be pretty well received. So there's some of the things that you can do, um, but more so on the habitual side, how to, how to decrease some anxiety, how to get a workout for their mind, for their anxiety. Um, kids are creative. And so one of the practices that I started, uh, I'm a creative guy. I, I do a lot of art here and there. Um, I actually used to get in trouble at, for it when I was a kid. Rather than showing my work on math, I would draw pictures. It was just my way because I was feeling a lot of anxiety in school because I just didn't learn the same way as all the other kids. So I felt like I was stupid. I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt all these things and I couldn't focus. So my outlet was to draw and doodle. Um, I got a lot of negative feedback. So it kind of squashed that until I went back to therapy. Exercise he had me do was to draw out the negative um, thoughts or the negative feelings or the negative emotions, draw it out on paper and then draw the exact opposite. Um, so for me, fear of death was one of my major concerns. And it's actually one of the same ones that my son shares is I would draw myself in a coffin with all my family around it. And that's the one that was more, most repetitive for me, um, is just leaving everybody and missing out on everything. And the thing I would do next to it is draw myself living my best life. Um, it's quite a few years ago, so I don't know what that would have been, but it was it was a very, very contrasting image to look at, and and I would, he would tell me to take the the negative one or the fearful thought, crunch it up, and throw it away, and then I'm just left with these pictures that I would take with me. Now you know kids are artistic; they're un, uninhibited. That's I'm trying to say that right. Yeah, they're uninhibited, and so like just like kids dance anywhere, they they have no filter, they have no inhibition to do art. So that might be a good one, especially if your kid's a creative person. Um, I, I, I'm not for sure on this, but my thought is that anxiety strikes a lot more creative and mental imaging type people than any other group. I don't know for sure. I don't have the statistics, but that's just my, my hypothesis, if you will. So creative minds. Um, the next thing is probably the most important thing is help them process their thoughts and emotion you're going to, you're going to know where you want them to get to, but help them think through it. Don't give them the answer. Ask them questions, right? You know where your kid, you want your kid to be, to feel safe, to feel, um, brave and confident. Well, there's no bravery or confidence without fear. So help them get to that point by asking questions. You're never going to go wrong by asking your kids questions. And in fact, one person that I suggest listening to has great stuff on parenting is Andy Andrews. He's an author. I think he started as like a comedian or something. And he's got a sweet Southern draw. I really love his voice. He's, I do audiobooks. I have a hard time sitting still, as I've already mentioned. But his voice is really good. And uh, he said something that has always stuck with me um, as a parent anyways. It says, rather than teach your kids what to think, teach them how to think. And for if you're a parent with a child with anxiety, that's the, the thought and the overall three, the overarching theme that you want to bring with you to help 
your child. It's, it's very noble that you want to fix the situation. It's not going to be a one-off. There's not like one specific incident that caused them anxiety. Most kids have general anxiety, um, unless it's PTSD. That's a whole different podcast, but, and that's not my specialty, but there's not one thing that happened. And I actually just had this conversation with my wife. It's, it's an error in their thinking. And so if you can focus on how do I teach them how to think, that's, that's going to be your key to helping them get better. Um, and then in, in the same vein of that is re, reframe things in a funny way. So my son, um, he had this one about his, his Nana, um, passing away. And so he was pretty torn up about it and he was, he was kind of freaking out about it and doing his breathing. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, eventually she will pass away. I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to say, oh no, she's, she's, she's fine now, but eventually she'll pass away. But then I said, think about the fun stuff. Let's think about what Nana does. Maybe she comes back from Arizona with a giant semi full of bananas. And then she drives by her house and has a banana gun and she shoots 10 bananas at the house and just keeps going really fast. Immediately changed his mood. He was happy. He was laughing. And that type of mental imagery completely changed his focus. You know, kids are pretty influential. Like we still have a beat on how to make them happy, how to make them laugh. And when they're in a spot that they're stuck, it's a good way to get them unstuck. So something to try. Um, if you're not a creative person, you can't come up with a step, that stuff, uh, grab a book that they like and describe the image to them. Like you can just kind of take a snapshot in your mind of their favorite book and their favorite scene and then explain that to them and then have the characters in that theme, uh, that scene do something funny. And then the last one that I'll say is, well, I'll do two more. So on top of visualization, it's always good to have a safe place. And so the one we've used before is we have a, a deck with a pool by it. And I describe laying on um, a, a beach towel next to my wife and myself for, for my son. And he's laying on there. He's got his eyes closed. He can hear the pool filter going. It's nice. He can feel the sunshine on his chest. And he's just breathing in the summer breeze. And I get very descriptive about it and talk about each little detail. I describe his towel just to get him out of his own way and to describe the situation so he can see it in his mind rather than seeing the scary thought that he might be stuck on. And so the last one for kids is simple mantras, um, just that they repeat over and over. We got one right now that is, it's okay, I'm okay. And he just repeats that um, over and over when he starts to get a little nervous or a little fearful. Um, he tunes into his heart and his throat. And so when he starts to do that, I've told him, read that over and over and over until you feel better. It's just, it's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. I'm okay. And like I've talked before is that the thoughts on repeat become belief. And so what's happened with people with anxiety, if we've had these fearful thoughts, we've had these crazy thoughts over and over that they became belief. And we believe that something bad is going to happen. We're not sure what. Cause it might be, I might fall off the toilet <laughs> or hit my head or something like that. And then the next day it's an irrational fear that, you know, something might happen to one of my family members. And so it just radiates. And so these thoughts of fear can be reprogrammed by simple mantras, especially for kids. It takes a little bit longer for adults because our programming has lasted longer over the years. But for kids, kids, like I said, they're very influential. They're very easy to influence 
in their day to day, uh, some kids easier than others. Mine are have their moments, especially when the moon is going about to be full. They're crazy. But anyways, I think that's it for kids. Um, it took me a little bit longer for that one. That's something that's close to my heart. Um, I got a lot of experience with that lately. Uh, so hopefully that helps you guys out. If you have any more questions on kids, I can do my best to either answer them or point you in a direction. I want to be upfront and honest that if there's some stuff I don't know, I'm going to at least try to point you in a direction and let you know that I don't know, you know, with the, uh, questions that you submit to the website too, I'm going to also try to let you know which episode it's the, your question will be on, um, if that changes, I probably won't be able to reply, but it'll give you some sort of idea of when to look for your question. So question two, how do I start the conversation with someone you want to help with anxiety? So let's say I'm a person with anxiety. A friend of mine has noticed this, but, and they want to help. How do they approach me? Um, and I'll talk about what I've done in the past is I walk up to somebody that I, I can see it. It's like the birds of a feather kind of flock together. I can see in someone that they're anxious. Like, um, part of my personality is I, I can read that in people. I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do that because I do help people. Uh, and I can notice right away. So I'll walk up to them and be like, you okay. And I think when I ask that question, they know, I know, um, it might be just the way I ask or the look in my eye or whatever. I'm like, you okay? And then I wait and then I'm like, well, you need any help? And then I wait and I kind of play off of what they reply, but I, they can tell that I'm coming from a place of love, a place of compassion, and also a place of understanding. Um, coming in with that intention rather than trying to fix the situation, uh, just like kids, you don't want to fix it. Like you want to teach them how to think. You want to teach someone that you're trying to help how to think through what they're going through. They're already trying to fix it. So you're not going to be able to do that for them. Their error is in their own thoughts. So what you want to do is come from a place of support. Like I'm here, you know, what do you need? And ask those questions that I went over in the previous episode. You know, how can I help? What do you need? Do you need to get out of here? Do you need X, Y, and Z? Um, I'm here to help. Can I help you breathe through this? I mean, if it's someone that you know, you're going to know what's going to help them. Um, yeah, I'm reading my notes here. It's a little bit difficult for me because I am someone that has anxiety. So like approaching someone with anxiety is different for me. Um, but what I would want is I like someone to be like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm probably going to be like, no, I'm freaking out. I'd be like, but if, if, if I were to reply, no, I'm fine. That person, the next thing that they would say would be, you know, I can see you're worried. Um, is there anything I can help with? Do you need anything from me? Like I'm a good listener, uh, if you need it. And so those type, those type of, um, I think the intention is more so important on the actual action that you take is just saying, I'm here to support you. Um, eventually they're going to reach out their hand and take you up on it if you're someone that they trust. But if you come with the intention of the, the to fix it, uh, that's going to be like game over. They're going to put a wall down and probably not talk to you again for quite a while. So hope that helps. Uh, if you got any more questions on that, please send them in. Uh, like I said, I'm not as familiar with that. Um, but that's what I would want. And that's kind of how I do it as from someone with anxiety. Um, please ask more questions about that if you have any more. So question three, how do I establish boundaries when helping people with anxiety? 
Um, so for me, I, I've, I've been through this on many ends of the spectrum and, you know, varying by degree of how much I've helped someone, how much I'm involved. Um, I just, I set it up where my time that I designate for my family is my time. You know, I, I'm fortunate where I have some times where I can reply during the day and I do my best to let people know if I'm one with my family, I'm probably not going to answer your text, uh, two, if I'm not doing well, I'm not going to be a very good help to you, which I mean, luckily for me, that's few and far between now, but if I'm not doing well, I'm going to probably point you to a resource rather than talk you through it. So those, those are a little bit of boundaries. Um, the other thing is I've had people that I've worked with that have been very, well, uh, very needy and they need a lot of time. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of coaching. Um, if that happens consistently over time, I'm going to be like, I've told you everything you need to know. It's time that you take action. Um, and until you can take some action, there's not much more I can do. I'm just going to say the same things on repeat and you need to take action. This is up to you. I can't fix it for you. I'm very nice. And like, I, I come from a place of love and compassion. And it's just that hard conversation of saying like, I cannot fix this for you. You need to do some stuff to reciprocate what I'm giving you, like take some action and I can help you. Um, it, and it's, it's not that I don't want to help. It's like, there has to be some steps forward in order to move forward. And those steps need to be action on some of the stuff that I give people. Some of the, you know, some of the, the stuff that I suggest in these questions or some of the stuff I give at the end of the episode, you need to take action on those. And so that was a boundary that I had to take. And it was, uh, is very uncomfortable <laughs> and, uh, it wasn't something that was well received. Um, they felt abandoned and they felt like I was giving up on them, but I came back around a couple of weeks later and checked in on them and, and asked them how they were doing. And, and they told me that's exactly what they needed. Um, and so it worked out well. Now there may be a time where that person doesn't reciprocate and take any action and just as bitter. And that's up to them. That's their choice. And so a little boundary is like emotionally, um, I can show compassion and emotionally I can have empathy, but there has to be a point where you detach yourself from their mental health. And like I said, you can care, you can have love, you can have passion, but you have to emotionally remove yourself from the, the equation because if you get emotionally invested, you're not setting them up for success. And that's ultimately what you want to do when you're helping someone is set them up to heal. Okay. So, um, another boundary is what you need for care, right? So for me, I, I used to have, when I'd get MRIs and my body was all jacked up, I would have to be sedated. And there was this time where I, I had, I think I believe it was my knee. I don't know. I've had so many MRIs over the years. I don't even know anymore. Uh, but I had my mom set up to bring me home from, um, after being sedated. And, uh, I walked in there and this <laughs> ding dong, um, he's like, I heard him in the background. He's like, Oh, he's a big dude. He'll be fine. And I'm like, Nope. And so he came in and tried to convince me that I didn't need to be sedated, uh, for X, Y, and Z and tried to explain the MRI. And I was finally like, dude, I've had four of these already or however many I had had. I'm like, I know what goes on with them. This is something I'm very familiar with. I can't get through them without sedation. Trust me. And he <laughs> continued to go for it. And I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. And I got up and started walking away. And as soon as I got up and took action on my own behalf, he was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Let's just, let's start over. I know this is what you need. So this is what we're going to do. 
And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. And so sometimes you have to take those measures and be your own like health advocate, both mentally and physically. Like they say, be your own health advocate for physical symptoms, but you also have to do that mentally, you know, let people know what things are going to work and what aren't going to work, what things you can do and what you can't do, what things you can attend and what things you can attend. I hate going to the state fair, but I do it for my wife mainly because I get really anxious. I get super anxious going to big events like that, huge crowds. I hate it, but I do it for her. Now, years past, there's no way I would have been able to do that um, with my anxiety, and I would have had to say no, which would be a fun conversation. But at that point, we would have been dating, so who knows? Um, and you know, it would have just been like this is this is what it has to be. Like this is just how it is because it's just, it's not going to be well for me. And, and as you know, if you have anxiety, when you get hypersensitive, it's like a sunburn. Like the last thing you want to do is go out back out in the sun. Same thing with anxiety. Like the closer you are to a panic attack, the more likely you're going to have another one. So you want to kind of get yourself removed from those situations that are going to cause you anxiety so you can continue to manage your anxiety. And so I think for now, those are um, good enough answers for those questions. Like I said, I always say, if you have any more, just submit them to me and I'll, I'll revisit them in a later episode. So again, um, these episodes are meant to give you a little bit of a mental workout to answer some questions. Uh, the exit wad. So what's the workout for your day that I want you to try last week? It was the box breathing this week. I want you to write down your top five things that help calm you down. For me, being around water, um, sometimes warm, sometimes cold. I do ice baths, um, baths with Epsom salts. Uh, what else? I do uh, like the essential oils, like a diffuser. And then uh, I also do incense, meditation, exercise actually calms me down. So there's some t- for examples. And then what I want you to do is put them in the forefront of your life. So put them on your mirror in your bathroom. Put them on the door behind your bathroom you know, put them on your door when you leave the house, put them by your desk. So you can revisit those. And so when you start to get cranked up, you can be like, Oh, okay, I need to do this in this situation. Now, if you're in the middle of like a basketball game, you're not going to sit down and meditate, obviously. So box breathing, be a good one to do if you start to panic at a basketball game. And again, just like working out, this is only going to work if you actually take action. And so it's going to seem like you're not getting anywhere until you look back and see how far you've come, just like working out, eating right. Eventually you're going to look back and be like, man, I can't believe how far I've come. And I promise you that will happen if you take action. I like, I am amazed at times when I start working with someone new and I think about when I was in the same situation where I am now, like I'm helping people on a podcast (laughs) with anxiety when I was like locked in my apartment didn't want to leave. Like I couldn't go certain places. I couldn't do certain things and everything would freak me out. Like I'm helping other people, which is crazy. So I promise you it works. If you work it, do what you can have a peaceful morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, don't beat yourself up. We're going to figure this out and Subscribe to the Anxiety Wide podcast and give it a good rating so other people can find it and benefit from this information that I'm trying to share with you guys. So thank you and have a wonderful day. See ya!